Well, we've heard from one another this morning, and when we're gathered together in worship, we, of course, have God's word that we can turn to for guidance and to allow the Spirit to speak to us through that. Now, this morning's passage was selected many months ago when Pastor Phil planned this sermon series, long before it was possible to predict what this last week would have looked like. But I don't think God is totally random. And I believe God has something for us in the passage that's selected for this morning. So look with me at Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37. This is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Phil talked about salt and light earlier. Those were Jesus' words from earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, somewhere in the teens. This comes several verses later as Jesus preaches. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. It's Matthew 5, 33 through 37. And this passage, it's about meaning the words that we say, not adding extra fluff around them because that would be unnecessary. Jesus is very directly calling us to be people of truth and people of our word and people of integrity who say what we mean and live lives of truth and of honesty. So, on Monday, I sat down to write a sermon on this passage, and, and these words of Jesus have been on my mind since the week began. And then Wednesday came, and I began, and, and I kept hearing another passage in my head in light of these words from Jesus. We're talking about words. We're talking about how they bear witness to what's inside of us and who we are. And, and I kept thinking about the book of James. The book of James repeatedly talks about how crucial it is to be careful with our words. Earlier this fall, for 9.30 Bible study, we studied the book of James, and it seemed like in each chapter, James would sneak in more references and reminders of how important our words are. So looking with me here, look at, look at James 3, verses 5 and 6, just these two verses here. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Some strong words from James about our tongues and the power of our words. We see in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us that we should let our words be true and speak for themselves. Words are like a window to what's inside of us. And Jesus makes it clear that our word matters. And James here identifies that words carry power. And we're seeing that play out right now aren't we? 
mean, look at James 3, verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. By a small spark. We have seen sparks cross the line and flame out of control through the actions of some this last week. And words, words, little sparks of division and anger here and there are being used by our leaders and everyday people, by our president and others, not just last week, but for months. And they are setting a table for panic, for pain. And as we saw just a few days ago, for tragedy. So consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I think James is onto something here because these sparks are fanning into flames and we are affected by it all around. Now, there were smaller ways that we were impacted this past weekend. We weren't able to leave our homes after six o'clock on Wednesday. And at my house, we laughed when we got those alerts on our phones because we didn't have big plans for a Wednesday evening. And I don't think many people have since this pandemic started. But while we chuckled about it at, at our house, we, OTCC, we, ha- we had people who were directly affected on Wednesday. People who were downtown, people who were present, not just the day of, but into the night, getting home the next morning. People who have worked tirelessly since Wednesday to keep order and to pick up the pieces. We prayed for you all as a church when we gathered on Wednesday night and we're continuing to do so. Because frankly, there has been so much to take in and we were able to discuss in that direction some earlier this morning, but it's hard to look past the fact that as we looked at signs and flags that people held as they broke into the Capitol, some showed scripture Many invoked the name of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but in several scenes, I saw the Christian flag being waved, the same one that I used to pledge allegiance to at vacation Bible school when I was a child. And the actions carried out by many of those flag wavers and sign bearers inside the Capitol were not communicating that Jesus saves. We lament the way that Some followers of Jesus have let these sparks fan into flame and burn and burn in a way that is damaging the larger witness of God's people with the eyes of the world watching. Something else we've seen that we can't ignore is that we saw nooses and Confederate flags. And that was jarring, deeply jarring to me as a white guy. And I know I can't begin to grasp the pain felt by people who are black as their eyes saw those images, as they watched how it played out. And it makes me angry to see those. And I believe it makes God angry. Amidst all the pain of last week, we lament that these symbols that carry with them injustice and hatred, we lament that they were forced upon us last Wednesday And to those of you in our church family for whom that cut particularly deep, know that we love you. We stand with you. We're unified as the body of Christ, and we're unified in saying, that ain't right. 
we love you. And when members are hurting, when members are frustrated and down, the whole body hurts and we should all be hurting for some of that, which we saw. Consider this great forest set on fire by a small spark. I'm sure these words from James have been applied to many situations throughout history, but I I kept hearing them this week because we are seeing some figurative flames. And it's one thing to name and, and be frustrated about them, but how do we help put them out? What do we do about it as the church? How do we channel all that we're feeling into Christian action? What well, starts by remaining together and talking like we're doing, but also by acknowledging some realities. For starters, this country is divided and people are drawing firm battle lines. You've heard enough about this. We don't need to go deep into the reality, but it's like there's two Americas, right? You are on this side or you are on that side. And we got to acknowledge that the church doesn't fit perfectly smoothly in either amidst this us against them mindset. A couple years ago, Tim Keller wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times titled, How Do Christians Fit in the Two-Party System? They Don't. That was the title of his opinion piece. How do Christians fit into the two-party system? They don't. And I encourage you to read the full article if you're interested, but you know, the main takeaway is this, a, a quote, the historical Christian positions on social issues do not fit into contemporary political alignments. I'll say that one more time. The historical Christian positions on social issues do not fit into contemporary political alignments. So we have these two boxes. They're even clearer this Sunday, I think, than they have been for many Sundays in the past. And, and these two camps are getting firmer and firmer in opposition of one another. And neither holds the keys to heaven. So we look at the issues, we make the best choices we can make, and often we end up in churches alongside other followers of Jesus who voted differently. Rather than demonizing the other, you worship with them. Just pretty neat. But it's not easy. It's not always easy. And with these words of Jesus, with these words of James in mind, we need to wield our words and subsequently our actions very carefully. Yes, we need to be people of peace. We need to be protectors of the vulnerable. We have to love our neighbors. I'm glad someone said that when we were talking. We have to love all of our neighbors, regardless of how long we've known them, what they look like, what their passport says. We can't get sucked into drawing these battle lines. We're seeing it so clearly these last few days. And the church, the body of Christ needs to respond not to a culture war, but to the call that Jesus has for us. And it's not fun to think about evil, right? But imagine how much it'd make Satan smile if the church jumped into this us-against-them dichotomy in America. We have got to be salt and light. We can't be observers on this road towards healing. And 
as followers of Jesus, we're called to be these salt and light participants. I really believe it. You can call me a dreamer, but I really believe the church and followers of Jesus can play a massive role in healing our land by truthfully representing Jesus in our words and in our actions. And there is no better model of love and unity than who we know in Jesus. Jesus tells us, we saw in Matthew 5 this morning, to let our yes be yes and our no be no. We need to have integrity and, like Jesus, be compassionate and eager to redeem that which is broken. It's one thing to look at a mess. It's another thing to try to do something about it. And that's what we're called to do. We need to use our words to be salt and light and let our actions that follow be actions of reconciliation and peace. It's not something that we can solve overnight, but it's something that if we maintain this long obedience in the same direction together, we can be instruments that God uses. And there is so much hope. I truly believe there is so much hope. And I've been thinking about this the last few days. And picture with me this reality that the kingdom of God cannot be raided or desecrated. The gates of heaven cannot be stormed. Now, yes, we absolutely should care about the land we live in. But we are so aware right now of how fragile and how fallible it all is. Our failures are on display for all to see. So thank God. Thank God that our citizenship is in heaven. That's good news this morning. Now, that doesn't give us a free pass to just sit back and chill. Until we get to heaven, we are tasked with caring for the world we inhabit and the land we live in. We have a calling in these weird times. We're called to step towards the world that God created and that God so loved and to be salt and light in it, to offer a different narrative between us versus them, between wrong versus right. We are called, we have a high calling right now. And we're going to look back on this week and the future. And it's my hope, it's my prayer that we look back and see that we, the church in general and OTCC, do all we can to be salt and to be light. We have got to respond in word, carefully with our words, and indeed in actions as people of compassion and as people of peace through Jesus, our reconciler, our healer, our servant, and our Lord. Amen.